the This Week in Music History podcast with Marty Miller from Nova.ie and Radio Nova. So this little podcast was born out of a bit that we do on the radio every single day, which is the day in music history. So then we said, oh, there could be something in this at the end of the week. Hence, the week that was music history. This is the week from March 7th until March 11th as we look back in music history. The week in 1975 that David Bowie gave us fame and the album Young Americans. So fame, of course, came about with a little help from a friend, if you know what I'm saying. Speaking of... Beatles connection. George Martin's anniversary this week. Some lovely audio to hear from George from a few years back talking the Beatles. And in 2013 this week, a great gig in the sky becomes a record breaker. Literally a gig in the sky. All of that over the next few minutes here on The Week in Music History. We'll start, though, in 75, when Bowie gave us his ninth studio album, Young Americans. On it was a song called Fame, co-written by John Lennon. And then suddenly I was working with Elton, and then Bowie was around, and we were talking and that, and he'd say, come down, and I found myself doing that. So he's fiddling around. He writes them in the studio. Now he goes in about four words and a few guys and starts laying down this stuff, and he has virtually nothing. He's making it up in the studio. So I, I just contributed whatever I contributed, you know, like backwards piano and and a couple of things like repeat of fame. And then we needed a middle eight, so we took some Stevie Wonder middle eight and did it backwards, you know, and <laughs> we, we made a record out of it, right? So he got his first number one, so I felt that was like a karmic thing, you know. With me and Elton, I got my first number one, so I passed it on to Bowie and he got his, and I liked that track, you know. Two years earlier, and another Beatle, this time Paul McCartney, is fined a hundred quid for growing cannabis at his farm in Scotland. From outside the courtroom, this report from 1973. As he left the court, McCartney, who'd been given two weeks to pay the fine, said the judge is a great guy. Yeah, well, we got a load of seeds, you know, kind of in the post, uh, and we didn't know what they were, you know, we kind of planted them all, and five of them came up illegal. Jumping forward to 2009, and a blue plaque in honour of Who drummer Keith Moon is unveiled at the Marquee Club in Soho. Roger Daltrey, frontman of The Who, is there, as is Keith's old mum. Keith definitely deserves a plaque. <laughs> he deserves many plaques. <laughs> but it's... Uh... Thanks to the people that got this one together. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for coming. It's wonderful to see so many people here. And I'm, I'm sure, well, I know Keith's here amongst you somewhere if you can find him. It was this week back in 2016 that the world said goodbye to the record producer, the arranger, the composer, the conductor, the audio engineer, the musician and the genius that was George Martin. He was 90 years of age. George produced all but one of the Beatles albums. This is a beautiful piece of audio of George talking to his grandkids, taped by his uh, son Giles on his phone. But listen to this, it's lovely. And he said, well, it isn't the Beatles you think of. It's Beatles with an A in it, like beat. That beat. But the magic bit came when I started to get to know them. They were the kind of people that you like to be with. And so I thought, well, if I feel this way about them, other people will feel like this way about them. So therefore, 
They should be very popular by my record. Gosh, this really is the week of the Beatles. In 1964, they filmed the last day of train scenes for their movie A Hard Day's Night. Six days filming on board a moving train, they travelled around 3,000 kilometres on the rails. Hello, grandfather. Hello. He can talk then, can he? Of course he can talk. He's a human being, isn't he? Well, if he's your grandfather, who knows? <laughs> and we're looking after him, are we? I look after myself. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. He's got you worried then. Him. He's a villain. This week back in 1987, U2 gave us their fifth album, the big one, The Joshua Tree. So what's it like living in the desert? It's pretty good. I, I like it. It's just in the wintertime here. Like right now, this is the coldest that it gets <clears throat> right now. This is cold. Yeah, this is cold. <laughs> you, want to to, you want to go to Ireland. <laughs> Back to 1964 we go and Paul Simon, Art Garfunkel recorded the song The Sounds of Silence, but it was done as an acoustic duo. It wasn't until the record company producers heard it and said, let's throw in some electric guitar, bass and drums, without Paul and Art knowing that the song became a massive hit in 1965. Nineteen eighty-eight, sad owl news out of the Gibb family. He wasn't a BG; he was the younger brother of the BG boys, Andy Gibb, also a singer-songwriter. He died after a battle with cocaine addiction. Though never a BG himself, the youngest Gibb brother was for a time just as big as his brothers. Last fall, after a bout with drugs, bankruptcy, and a broken heart, Andy Gibb started to turn himself around with the help of his brothers, and was an optimistic and happy young man. So all my problems are behind me. I'm about to sign my new record deal, which I can do now with no pressure. And everybody seems to think that, you know, I'm really suffering through all the headlines. Um, it's great for me. It's the last I can get on with my career, less. Andy Gibb, just 30 years old at the time of his death. This week back in 1970, Deja Vu, the first album by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, the second for Crosby, Stills & Nash, was given to the world. It was rather big and it had a really fancy album cover. Stephen Stills says he went to bat for that and wanted it to look exactly as he wanted us. As your front man, I ate a lot of heavy-duty flack from the record company about wanting that special paper and the gold stamping oh, yeah. and the picture tipped on. They would call me, what is this guy Gary Burton? What is he, you know, and he keeps wanting all this stuff. And I mean, you know, the damn album cover's going to cost more than the, than the vinyl. <laughs> and I said, hey, it was my idea, and that's what I want. And it fits with the album, and just do it. You know, you're going to sell lots. Believe me, it'll work out over time. It was this week back in 1971 that Jim Morrison of The Doors landed in Paris with his Mrs. Pamela. A couple of weeks, they stayed in a hotel. Then they moved to an apartment, that same apartment that Jim would die in, in July of 1971. Here's Ray Manzarek. We just buried Jim Morrison. I said, What? I said, what are you talking about? I said, yeah. I said, wait a minute. This is like a rumor. This is not a rumor. This is not a silly little paranoid fantasy. You mean he's dead? Yeah, he's dead. We put the coffin in the ground. 
cemeteries called Père Lachaise Cemetery. It's right in Paris. Beautiful old cemetery. Edith Piaf is there. And finally, this week in 2013, The Gig in the Sky, an acoustic show for 128 passengers on board a Boeing 767 happened. It got the world record for the highest ever gig at 43,000 feet. Here's Tony Hadley. I've just got a permanent smile on my face and, and singing here along with Kim Wilde and brother Ricky and, and everybody else has been absolutely fantastic. The captain confirmed it was 43,000 feet, so it is an officially amazing new Guinness World Record. I never, ever thought I would get the Guinness Book of World Records, and we've smashed it. And that is a little look at the week that was from March 7th until 11th. Thank you for checking out our little podcast. We do it daily on the radio, and you'll find out much more as well on Nova.ie. My name is Marty Miller. Have yourself a great week.